Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, along with former Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. And today we're going to be looking back at the press conference from General Manager Eric DaCosta. The Ravens GM spoke last week for the first time, really, since the draft last year. And he went over, you know, the, what happened in this eight and nine season and where the Ravens have to, what the Ravens have to do going forward. Of course, one of the big questions was the Lamar Jackson contract. And we'll get into that shortly. But before we do that, the Ravens also had other news last week in that they signed, they hired. Mike McDonald as the new defensive coordinator. He takes over for Don Wink Martindale, who the Ravens parted ways with after 10 years in Baltimore and four as the defensive coordinator. McDonald comes to Baltimore from the University of Michigan, where he was for one year. He had been with the Ravens for seven years before that, really cut his teeth in the Ravens organization, and then moved to Michigan for a year as the defensive coordinator. He's only 34 years old, Mike McDonald. He's the youngest defensive coordinator in the league. Daniel Wilcox, you were with the Ravens one summer in a player personnel department when McDonald was a young linebackers coach here. Or What was your impression of him then, and what's your uh, impression of him being hired as the new defensive coordinator? Um, I thought he had a good presence about himself, the way he kind of carried himself around the facility. You know, I saw him in passing quite a bit. And then, of course, in the lunch lines and, you know, sitting down at late at, at, in the cafeteria eating. I think one of the things I noticed about him, you know, he didn't always sit with the coaches. You know, he would sit with players and stuff sometimes, which I would do as a coach. You know, I always felt like there was always this line or this barrier that you couldn't cross, you know, from player to coach. And I feel like those lines should be extremely blurred. You know, I feel like as as in the NFL, everybody's a grown man. You know, it's probably players on that team at the time older than him. And he's a young pup coming in coaching. And they it's a level of respect that has to, to go back and forth between the two. But I think what I saw was that guys really felt comfortable talking around him and, you know, you know, having intimate conversations around him. And I think that's important as a coach um, to be able to have and establish that, that solid relationship that your guy trusts you. And when, he, when a player trusts a coach, he'll tend to say more things to a coach that he would that he wouldn't say to the one he don't he don't trust, right? So he'll he'll confide in him if something is not right in this game. And this is the funny thing about the NFL. It, it, with coaches in the NFL, a lot of times they think the players already know everything. So when they bring you in, they feel like they can't really tell you what you should already know. So technique-wise, skill set-wise, they don't ever kind of cross that line as a coach. You know, but when you have an intimate relationship, you know, you could feel comfortable telling the coach, like, coach, I don't know if I know where the under front is or over front is or something like that. Or since he's on the defensive side of the ball, hey, coach, how do I know um, when they're trying to, you know, when they're going to run a pass play versus a run play or, or how do I attack an outside zone versus attacking an inside zone? You know, do I take it on my inside shoulder? Do I take it on my outside shoulder since he was the linebacker coach at the time? You know, you could feel comfortable relaying that. You know, a lot of times players are kind of sit back and we'll watch the film and we'll, we'll try to listen. We'll try to pick up all the tips we can and then we'll implement it in our game. But we never ask those questions because we don't even want them to know sometimes that we don't know. And at, um, Coach Zarner, I think when I was there, the special teams coach used to always say, the beauty of the whole thing, fellas, is we don't know what we're doing. They don't know what we're doing. That's the beauty of the whole thing. You know, and I was, we used to always die laughing in the special teams meeting. But it was it was one of those things, man, that when you saw Mike, he had a really good presence, like a good a good aura about him. And I felt like guys kind of flocked to him. You know, you would see him come up and talk to him. He would speak to everybody as they walked by. 
you know, he would walk up right to the guy in the line and be like, hey, hey, man, how you doing? You know, how's things going? How's the family? How's the kids? You know, and all that stuff is important, man, because you're trying to build relationships. He said exactly what you did, that it's important to know what you don't know. And it's a fascinating story with Mike McDonald. He he never played college football. He worked at the, he played high school football, got hurt, and kind of got into coaching. And, and he really had a feel for coaching. He loved coaching. So went to the University of Georgia, was studying business, got a job as a graduate assistant coach at the University of Georgia, and was was getting a master's degree in business. And he actually had a job with KPMG. He had signed a contract to, to join KPMG and begin his career in finance. And as he said, I'd finally start making some money. And then Jerry Rosberg, the Ravens special teams coordinator, called because the Ravens were starting a coaching internship. And Mike McDonald got on their radar and they called him and he said, you know, he gave it some thought, McDonald did, and said, you know what? When I'm 40 years old, I don't want to be wondering what what would have happened if I had taken that chance to try to coach. So he told KPMG thanks, but no thanks, and turned out a lot of money with KPMG and decided to join the grind of coaching. And it's obviously worked out for him. But when we were talking to him, his age came up. And John Harbaugh said, I don't, you know, age to me is just a number. A big number, small number, doesn't matter. Can you do the job? When Wink Martindale was interviewed for the defensive coordinator job four years ago and got it, McDonald interviewed for the job at that time, and he was only 30 years old. So that tells you what Harbaugh thought of him. And then, of course, Jim Harbaugh called to try to get McDonald to Michigan. He went there for a year. And I think that was an important year. And John Harbaugh mentioned that because now McDonald spent a year as a coordinator, supervising other coaches, calling defensive plays. It gave him this feel for how to do that part of the job. And now he comes here as a defensive coordinator, much more prepared. And frankly, Michigan, Michigan's defense was great this year. And if you talk to Michigan alums and you talk to Michigan fans, they, they are not happy McDonald left. And that's, that, right. that seems to be a good sign that they got a good guy here. All right, let's get to the Eric uh, DaCosta news conference. Of course, the biggest issue with this team going forward is Lamar Jackson's contract. Uh, Lamar Jackson entering the fifth year of his rookie contract. He, he will be a free agent next spring if a contract isn't done. When they signed Lamar Jackson, they had a fifth-year option, which they've exercised, and they got the fifth-year option because Jackson was a first-round draft pick. That is the main reason they traded back into the first round to get Jackson at number 32 overall. They could have traded and got him early in the second round, but they wanted him in the first round because they wanted that fifth year. The thing is, now that that fifth-year option kicks in, his salary cap number jumps from $3 million last year to $23 million this year. So they've really kind of missed the window, what I call the biggest luxury in that NFL, which is a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal. Jackson is now going to be expensive. But the most fascinating thing about Lamar Jackson to me and this whole issue is Lamar Jackson has no agent. He's one of the rare players that has no agent. So there's no negotiator who's going to work with the Ravens to get this contract done other than Jackson. Daniel Wilcox, you played in the NFL. Tell me, what is the role of an agent? And in your mind, how hard is this situation for Jackson and the team when there's no agent involved? Well, the role the role of an agent is always first and foremost to negotiate your contract, and um, I think uh, I think a really good agent what he does is he sits down and he reviews every single you know contract in your, in your position you know for a starting quarterback. So Lamar, as his own agent, he has to evaluate all thirty two teams, all thirty one other teams' quarterbacks, what they're making, you know, look at their stats, look at what they've done for the organization, 
and then try to figure out what price range, you know, your contract should be negotiated in. Um, if you wait for the team to give you a price, then they're going to give you a price and it might not be what you want. So that's why it's always this back and forth. The team came in here, you came in here, you know, your agent came in here and now you got to kind of meet in the middle somewhere. Right. You know, a lot of times they meet in the middle, you know, or, or the team got the team got to pay a lot more money out than what they, what they really originally wanted to pay in the first place. So I think it's kind of hard, you know, to to do this game and then have to sit down and negotiate your own contract. I love the fact that Lamar is doing it because why give 3% to somebody that's only going to sit down at the table one time in four or five years and they're getting 3% of your contract. It's kind of a crazy thing. They get 3% every year. <laughs> you know, it ain't like you just pay 3% up front and that's it. And next year you got to get 3%. And then next year you're giving 3%. And then next year you're giving 3% too, you know? So all they did was sit at the table one time. Now, a really good agent has multiple entities of his his office, you know, there's also, you know, outside of football, what kind of things are you bringing to the table? I used to have a, a car deal where I used to get a free car every single year. I do one autograph signing and I did, I got a free car every year and I could, I could switch it out two or three times a year if I wanted to. And it was all luxury cars, you know, so Mercedes, Infinity stuff that I wouldn't normally buy for myself. Right. You know, I'm a simple guy. I'm a Ford Chevy guy. You know, I wasn't the guy putting up in a Ferraris and Lamborghinis. You know, so I got a chance to get me a sports car with a convertible every now and then. You know, it was kind of cool. You know, so I appreciate it. My agent negotiated that deal. Also, my shoe deal with Nike. You know, I had one with Nike. I had one with Reebok. I had one with Under Armour. You know, so my agent negotiated those deals as well. So Lamar also has to negotiate those deals without having an agent. He has to do those as well. I can. I know his mom is on his team and it sounds like she's extremely strong. So I'm sure she's running interference on everything and just kind of re- relaying things back, which I think. I like, you know, because it kind of feels like you would get a little bit more of a personal inside feel of what what the contract negotiations are really about. And I can go to my mom like, hey, mom, you know, I really want that tops, you know, car football car deal. You know, I want that as, as some I've always wanted, you know, and can you work on that for me? Or, hey, mom, I, you know, I really want to work on my clothing apparel, which I know Lamar has his own clothing line. You know, let's go ahead and figure out if we can do a deal with Nike with clothing or something, you know, like I I could see him being a little bit more freely asking those questions and, you know, being able to intervene with that type of stuff, which I think is important. You know, when it comes to him to having to negotiate his contract, he has to sit down and and really, really look at all the other 31 quarterbacks in the league, kind of see where he stands, what years those guys are, what year he is, um, how important he is to the Ravens organization, which I, after seeing this year, he's extremely important. You know, so I, I think that his value, you know, probably went up after this season, even even though the season was as bad as it was, even though the Raven had 35, 40 players injured all all season, um, top guys at that. It's 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 a it's a hard year, I think, to negotiate, you know, and I think he has to come off a year like he had, which it was some MVP talks early in the year about him because he was playing decent enough at first. Um, then he had a bad game or two and then everybody started to ask questions again. And like the kid can't do no wrong. You know, I mean, he can't do nothing right. You seem like to me, you know, every time he does something great, like, Oh, Lamar's the best. And then when he does something bad, it's like they, people flip the switch so quick on him. He has a, he set, he set the bar so high for himself in his first couple of years, you know, that it's going to be hard, you know, every single year to try to top what he did the year before, because he's been so freaking phenomenal. You know, and he's he's probably the youngest quarterback to do everything that he's done. 
You know, you think about he he came out of high school early to go to college. He came out of college early to go to the pros. You know, he basically in the years, two years younger, younger than everybody else that's ever been in the league, you know. So and he, the kid is that phenomenal of a talent. The man, I'm sorry, not the kid. The man is that phenomenal of a talent. And, um, you know, I think he has a lot to bring to the table to talk about. But when you're sitting down talking to Eric DaCosta, who's very easy to talk to, he's very he he has that mega mind type you know, mentality where he comes in, you know, he's super sharp, like that goodwill hunting type sharp. Right. And you sit down and you talk to Eric and um, he's very calculated sometimes. Like you could, you could tell, like you could see him thinking about the things that he want to say next. And you could see him, you know, already kind of calculating numbers and scientific equations as you talk, you know, about, you know, what, what he think we should be at as far as, contract negotiations or playing football on the field or how comfortable are you in the Ravens organization? Because he cares about all that stuff. He bleeds purple. And um, I think Lamar has such a good presence around there with the guys, with his teammates and guys, I mean, really want to play with Lamar. And I can, I can tell you, I played this game for 28 years, I think 29 years, something like that. I played this game and I've never played with a quarterback as dynamic as Lamar. I've never played with a quarterback remotely resembles him. The closest I've ever gotten to anything that resembles Lamar Jackson is Steve McNair. And that was right there in Baltimore. You know, so I think Lamar has, he has a very unique situation. Unlike me when I was a free agent in Baltimore and I had to negotiate my contract, you know, um, he already has stability there. You know, I didn't really have stability. I bounced around the league before I came to New York, Tampa, New York, you know, NFL Europe. I got to Baltimore and that was my first sense of I think they like me, you know, and um, Lamar from day one had that and he already had that security. I was looking for that security and that that stop travel plan for me. You know, I'm tired of flying. I'm tired of traveling. I'm tired of packing up all my stuff, moving from one state to the next. I wanted some security. The Ravens was like, I want you. I was like, I want y'all too. Let's go. <laughs> you know where I signed it. You know, Lamar could be patient. You know, he don't have to get signed right now. He can gamble on himself and bet on himself all he wants. I mean, he has security. He's good. He is coming off a year where, you know, he struggled toward the end of the year. You're right. He was an MVP candidate for the first five or six weeks. The Ravens got off to a five and one start. And then he scuffled for five or six games, and then he got hurt and missed the final games of the season. You talk about his value, though. They're 37-12 and 12 when he starts and 2-5 and five when he doesn't. But Eric DaCosta was asked, does the fact that he struggled at all this year, does that weigh at all into the negotiating? And this was DaCosta's answer. You know, I, nothing has changed, okay? Lamar's a Pro Bowl quarterback. He played some brilliant football this year, and we had some struggles. And certainly, as a group, when you consider the the turmoil that we had on the offensive line at the running back position, um, you know, that's a factor. Uh, Lamar's health this year, he had some issues. He was sick. He hurt his foot and all those different things. We had a lot of different injuries, a lot of different things that we dealt with. So I think there's a lot of upside with our offense. Lamar's a big part of that. He's the right person to do it. He's a leader. He's beloved. He's a phenomenally talented player, and uh, he makes us better. So that tells you that DaCosta, you know, this struggles, whatever struggles Lamar Jackson had this year, the Ravens aren't looking at that as changing the value at all. But if you're Lamar Jackson, I mean, honestly, how much time can you be sitting there 
studying the other 31 quarterbacks and their money versus working with Mark Andrews or Marquise Brown this summer or working on the football stuff. I mean, how much how much of a distraction do you think it could be for him to have to bother with this business side? I think it'd be really interesting if he has to spend the entire offseason, you know, looking at contracts and reading contracts and paperwork and all that type of stuff, man. Um, he definitely going to want to, his his team going to have to be extremely strong, come to him at the end, kind of like what, what an agent would do. His mom has to be phenomenal, you know, because I remember my agent would call me and say, hey, the Ravens are on the line. They want to sign you for, you know, a three-year deal, you know, worth, you know, let's say $2.9 million or something like that, right? Um. Okay, like, what does that mean? You know, and, and that make you this, the the highest paid you know backup tight end in the league. You're like, okay, all right, it sounds good. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> it's like, what do you like? How how much do you really talk about this stuff? You know, I wasn't a a, a finance major, a business major, or accounting major, or anything like that. You know, so once you tell me it's the highest paid in the league. What else I got to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, what else? What else is there to say? You know. So I think it's one of those type things. Like, all right, who's the highest paid in the league right now? Is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it Aaron Rodgers? You know. Um. And you you sit down and you look at those numbers and you say, all right, I'm legit. I'm up there with those guys. I should be getting those type of numbers. You know. Let's 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 see what the Ravens going to come to the table with. And I think it's either going to be very very tasteful by the Ravens, or it's going to be very disrespectful. That, know, so that's, the one- that's exactly the tricky part of this whole thing. I mean, right. and normally, I mean, you could tell me, but normally my understanding is that, you know, those those kind of comments, conversations between a team and the, quote, player, but really the agent can happen where the agent is the one that kind of buffers whatever disrespectful comment might come and, and maybe filters exactly. it down to the player. And now that that buffer isn't there anymore with these two. You talk mm-hmm. about the contracts. I mean, Josh Allen is the is the contract that a lot of people are bringing up because he was in Lamar Jackson's draft class. He just signed an extension, six years, two hundred and fifty eight million. There's a hundred and fifty million guaranteed. So if Lamar Jackson were to just sit down and say, "There's a starting point," right? Maybe he thinks he should get paid more than Allen. I'm sure he would argue to be paid more than Allen. Maybe the team thinks he hasn't done enough as as much as Allen. But even if you were to say that. I mean, there's a risk there, is there not, of DaCosta going to his franchise quarterback and saying, you know, you haven't really played as well as Josh Allen. And 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 now there's this, you know, there's this tension between the two sides, which normally an agent would filter out. But I think the Josh Allen contract will be the at least a starting point for the whole thing. But you never know when this acrimony would come up if 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 the two sides, like you said, it could be seen as really nice or really disrespectful. And then right. DaCosta runs the risk of looking like he's trying to take advantage of a guy with no agent, which is another problem that, you know, DaCosta's in a tough spot here because you want to do right by the player, but you got to look at your whole team and you don't want to look like you're trying to take advantage of this guy with no agent. And I think DaCosta's in a real tough spot. I don't, I don't think Eric got that problem, though. I mean, Eric has such a like he like, one thing I remember about him, you know, when I was there is. He only wanted players that had the growth mindset. Like his whole thing was growth mindset, growth mindset, growth mindset. And I think Lamar still has a lot of growth in him. You know, like there's a lot of potential for growth. And at the end of the day, he's an MVP. Like Josh Allen been MVP. 
You know, so I mean, you got to sit down. He has a huge bargaining chip on his end. He knows what he has. Eric's Eric's no idiot at all. You know, by far, he's not going to come down. He's not going to come up with anything disrespectful. Those five or six conversations that he's had, I'm sure he's already said something about Josh Allen's contract. I can guarantee you. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think Lamar is in a really good situation. Um, I think he gets to keep a little bit more of his money in his pocket. And um, you know, by not having an agent. And I think Eric is the if you're gonna have not have a contract in the league, I think Eric is the right GM for it. You not have an agent in the league. Not yeah. have an agent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, because yeah, he he's so understanding. He, he's so understanding and he's so he manages things so well. You know, he's a good leader of men. You know, you hear him talk to the guys and you hear him sit down and talk. He's not afraid to have those uncomfortable conversations, which are really important. You know, you gotta be able to have those uncomfortable conversations. And he knows the conversation is uncomfortable for him. And he'll allow you to he'll allow you to know that this is an uncomfortable situation that we got to have, but it's just business. We got to do it, you know. So he's straight to the point. He's very, as a matter of fact, and he's going to get his point across. And you know, he'll tell you exactly what he believes. You know, he's sharp. He's really, really sharp. He's really clear. And I think him being around Ozzy, which is a Hall of Fame player, you know, in the same position that he's in, and that's who you know that's his been his mentor through this whole process from day one. You know, he came up underneath Ozzy's reign. I think he knows how to be able to sit down and talk to players because Ozzy was that player as well. I think he has the right mentor. So even though Eric wasn't a player, you know, he he gets it. So this was, you mentioned the five or six conversations. This was Eric DaCosta speaking about the whole contract status uh, when he spoke this week at his news conference. You know, I, nothing has changed, okay? Lamar's a Pro Bowl quarterback. He played some brilliant football this year, and we had some struggles, and certainly – as a group, when you consider the, the turmoil that we had in the offensive line at the running back position, um, you know, that's a factor. Uh, Lamar's health this year, he had some issues. He was sick, he hurt his foot, and all those different things. We had a lot of different injuries, a lot of different things that we dealt with. So I think there's a lot of upside with our offense. Lamar's a big part of that. He's the right person to do it. He's a leader. He's beloved. He's a phenomenally talented player, and uh, he makes us better. And you had mentioned Lamar Jackson's age. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. Lamar Jackson is actually a month younger than Joe Burrow. You said Lamar Jackson left high school early. He left college early. Now, Lamar Jackson, would, you know, Burrow's success in this league will also factor in Jackson's contract potentially because Jackson this year finished 23rd in the league in passer rating. And so that's, again, where it gets tricky. If DaCosta were to go to Jackson and say, hey, you know, we think you're good, but look, you finished 23rd in the league. You, you, you've, you endanger insulting the guy, but it's going to be delicate, I think, no matter what. I wrote something earlier this week about kind of advantages to the team and to Jackson for getting a deal done this summer versus advantages to both the team and Jackson for waiting. And let me just briefly go through a little bit of that. If I were the team, J- Jackson right now has a salary cap hit of $23 million on his fifth-year option. If they were to get a deal done, just looking at Josh Allen's contract, they structure these deals with signing bonuses. They can play some funny money or some games with the money. Josh Allen has this $250 million contract, but his salary cap hit for the coming year actually dropped from $23 million to $16 million. So they, the, the Bills are actually saving $7 million on the cap this year in getting that extension done. To me, that would be the biggest reason for the Ravens to try to get something done right now is they can drop that salary cap hit on Jackson for now. They'll have to worry about it down the road, but in the near term, it would give them that. And secondly, as you mentioned, they've got this MVP quarterback under contract. There's no more distraction. There's no more acrimony and negotiations. 
They know they have him. They know he'll be here. He'll know he'll be here, and all that's done. If you're Lamar Jackson, why get a deal done now versus later? Well, let's face it. You know an NFL career can end on any single play, right? I mean, he's sure he's, he's, he's got $23 million coming this year on the fifth-year option, but a, con- a guaranteed contract is what you said. I mean, Josh Allen would get $150 million if he tore his ACL tomorrow and never could play again. He'd get $150 million. So there's this option to get guaranteed money now. And let's face it, Robert Griffin III was never the same after Helodinati hit him in that when when Griffin's right. I mean, Griffin was never the same player after that. Um, And so getting that security early would be a good thing for him. And if you you sit there and say, well, if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, if Justin Herbert has a great year next year, are are these guys viewed as suddenly higher on the totem pole than Jackson? Does that affect his negotiations? Right now, Jackson's, you know, like you said, he's two years off an MVP season. And he's considered one of the elite talents in the league. Now, why would a team wait to, to do this deal? The Ravens, quite frankly, can wait. As you said, they could use the franchise tag on Jackson next year. It would cost him probably close to $30 million to use it. But if you use $30 million there, you're still not in the $150 million guaranteed money, which you're talking about giving out. To me, the reason, the biggest reason for Jackson to wait is exactly what you said. Every year, there's more money. There's just more money around. So the cap's going to go up. The Ravens will have more money to spend, and more money can go to him. And the other thing I think that's really important here is the Ravens are coming off an 8-9 and nine season, right? Just a, it, right. It was, For all the reasons, they finished 8-9. and nine. Next year, they should get Marcus Peters back and J.K. Dobbins back and Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley and possibly Nick Boyle and all, all these guys that – should Cedric, come back. Cedric, Cedric. It should be a much stronger team. And right. because they went eight and nine, they're going to play a fourth place schedule next year. Now they still have to deal with the Steelers and the Bengals, but and the Browns. It's a tough division. But they go from playing the second toughest schedule in terms of schedule strength this year to the twenty third ranked schedule next year. Now the schedule strength kind of juggles over the course of the season, but it just gives you an idea. With a, with a strong team coming back, playing a weaker schedule, there's every reason to believe the Ravens are going to be primed for a, a, a better run next year. And if they were to make a deep playoff run next year, suddenly now Lamar Jackson's looking at much more leverage and the Ravens have more money. He has a lot of ways to say, here's what I bring to you. And when, when I'm not there, look what happened. We went eight and nine because I didn't play the last five games. When I am there, look what happened. We're... 13 and four and we're, we're playing in the playoffs again. So it's, it's a fascinating uh, situation. It is the biggest issue facing this team. I know they have to rebuild the team, but Jackson's contract is going to be the biggest thing. Let me put you on the spot here for just a second. If you're Lamar Jackson, are you trying to sign this summer or are you saying, you know what, I'm going to play this year and I'll worry about it next year. I, I think, I think honestly, like if, if I'm Lamar Jackson, if I really sit down and think about it, of course, I want to feel super important. I want the contract right now, you know. But when I think I'm my cap going from three to twenty three, I just sign. You know what I'm saying? Like mentally in my mind, I they just picked up my fifth year option. You know, I just got a twenty million dollar increase. Like I'm not tripping about it. How many people can say they got twenty million in one year? Not me. Um, me either. I've never seen twenty mil at all. Hell, I never seen three mil. So, <laughs> but anyway, it's besides the point, bro. 
I think he not. I don't think he worries about it because I think his ultimate goal when he first came out of college was to bring a Super Bowl to Baltimore. And he's chasing that. He's chasing that with every inch of his body. Every ounce inside of him is pushing for him to try to get that team and organization to the Super Bowl. I think it won't be that big of a deal. Hopefully he's got all the right people in his circle and they're focused on what they should be focusing on, which is training, working out, getting ready for next season and watching as much tape and film as they can from the season prior to try to figure out what, you know, where things kind of went wrong. Right. I mean, you know, part of what went wrong injuries, you know, um, it's one thing from having three pro bowl running backs to having no running backs at all. And it's another thing from having one of the top two, three linemen, you know, in the NFL to ending up with only two of your starting linemen out of five, you know, by the end of the season, you know, like, that's huge, man. Like just those two alone will make you 23rd in passing in the league. You know, you're missing all your all your weapons out of the backfield, so people don't have to respect the run against you no more. You're missing, you know, most of your linemen, most of your linemen, the majority of your linemen are gone. You know, so people don't have to respect your line at all. They, you got you still got elite pass rushers and elite defensive linemen going against linemen that never played before. You know, um, and they playing in positions they never played before. You had guys all out of position and everything last year. It's crazy. Um, and then you miss one of your top, your top tight ends, who was also a heck of a blocker for you. So I mean, all his all his security was gone last year. It's like being Floyd Mayweather walking through the airport with no security. It's only so far he's gonna get right. <laughs> so I mean, you can't expect Lamar Jackson to be a miracle worker in in those situations in those terms. And it was almost inevitable he was gonna get hurt at some point because of all the you know the the thirty eight sacks he was taking. You know, you can't be mad at the thirteen picks because he's a dynamic guy. And he tried to make something happen. He extended plays longer. And he's throwing balls in situations where he normally wouldn't have to throw the ball. He was in distress most of the time. You know, so I don't think – I think Eric DaCosta knows all that. Um, Lamar Jackson knows all that. So when they sit down at the table to talk, all that stuff will – it may come up, but I don't think it – I don't think it'll have to be a back and forth. I think they both know. I don't think Lamar has anything to worry about. Steve Bashotti told me this. If you focus 100% on football – it's your best business investment that you'll ever make. It's no other career, no other stock option that you can put in that will give you a bigger return on your investment than focusing on yourself and football. You know, so if you put 100% of your effort into this one sport right now, while you're at the height of your career and the height of your game, that 23 mil this year will turn into 200 mil next year. But it's no greater return on your investment. It's a good way to put it. And Shadi knows something about making investments. I'll say that. So I think that will be the, you know, it will be the dominant storyline of this team. And and I, I agree with you that I think Lamar Jackson and DaCosta said their relationship is very good. And uh, we've seen since Lamar Jackson got to this town, there's just this charisma about him. There's this electricity about him in this town. He is beloved in this town. So I, I, the Ravens have said all along they expect him to sign a long-term deal. I think at one point last year, DaCosta led us to the impression it would probably happen now. It hasn't happened, but their relationship is really good. I do think it's fascinating without the agent, and we will see over the course of the summer and, and into the fall it might come up again. But I think it's genuine that Lamar Jackson is is committed to just being the best he can be on the field, and that's what he's focused on. People want to argue, well, he should be focused more on his money, then that's fine. But as you said, he basically got a $20 million raise already. And I do think he's he's ultra competitive. He does not like how this season ended for himself or the team. 
and he does absolutely have visions of the Super Bowl in his mind. And 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 I guarantee you, he sees the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl this year and saying, wait a minute, that, that needs to be us next year or the year after that. So Lamar Jackson's contract will be we will be one of the biggest things that we'll be watching over the course of the next few months. We will get into a lot more of what Eric DaCosta had to say in the next episode, and we'll get into some of some more of the roster questions that Eric DaCosta and the Ravens have to deal with. For Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smoka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.